Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, I need to shout out my patrons. Callum, Robert, Matthew, Tavernot, Jay, Paul, Mosey, Carol, Benjamin, Fernando, Justin, Matt, and RPG Match. Thanks a ton for supporting the show and making this all possible. If you'd like to support the show, want a shout out on my next episode, or want an inside scoop on my upcoming guests, consider joining. You can find the link in my link tree or by heading to patreon.com slash hn, the number two, DM. Remember that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQ plus youth via Encircle. Check out my link tree for more information about their great work. And finally, before we get started today, I just want to thank all of you who've been helping support my first Kickstarter to Hot One Shot. It's been going super well, and as of recording this, we've gotten to 117% of our funding goal, which is amazing, and we're closing in on our first stretch goal. So our goal was $1,000, our first stretch goal is $1,750, and that's going to go toward a bunch of cool custom art that will go into the adventure itself, some of the monsters and some of the cool locations that Matthew and I dreamed up as we were writing this adventure. So. If you would, please, if you haven't already, please go check that out. It's in my link tree, or you can go to Kickstarter and search Too Hot One Shot. All right, thanks for humoring me, and now let's get on to this episode's guest intro. This week, I'm chatting with DM Dave of Tomes of the Chaos Bard, a family-friendly 5e adventure coming up on their two-year anniversary. Dave and his group were having so much fun with their game that they started, they decided to try and record it and share it with everybody else. Enjoy! Yeah, so I'm I'm David Robinson. I am an electrician by day, DM by night. You know, I have two little girls and they love doing little parades and music things. And that's been something that would us as a family, we enjoy. Me and my wife have been part of melodramas and different things over the years together. And it's really fed into our TTRPG atmosphere. We started playing around 2016, 2017. We disagree on the dates. <laughs> and you don't uh, have like pictures or anything to, to don't have any pictures. No. All we know text messages. <laughs> <laughs> we were pregnant with our first kid, but I remember playing without her, without our oldest. And she remembers she being born already. So it's kind of a mix up between what is what. But it was around that time when we started, and we actually started with her friends. They've been trying to get us to play for a while. And we just were too busy or, you know, pregnancy stuff and everything. But we were able to finally start playing with them. Well, they started in a kind of a complex campaign, starting at level five. And that was very overwhelming because, you know, they started, oh, yeah, here's your character. This is how you're going to roll your stats. And it's like, okay, because they had us roll two different times. And then we compared the two. Oh, got to choose which line we got. Got it. And they're like, don't want that one because that one has an eight. It's like, well, what does an eight mean? You just don't want it. <laughs> so it was a lot of not explaining. And they're like, what's your background? Okay, what's a background? So it was a little rough beginning when we first started. And I started out with a character that I was like, oh, I think it'd be cool to play the scaredy cat that would run away from everything and just be really sneaky. Okay, you'll be a rogue. Oh, cool. I don't know what a rogue is, but let's go with it. And I started falling behind in the levels because the DM was very much, if you're not a part of the combat, you don't get any experience. And when I play video games, I'm a mid-maxer. I max out things and I'm like, well, I didn't realize there was going to be combat like this. You guys said it was a role-playing game. So I went for the role-playing aspect. So that was very frustrating. And I almost quit, like stopped playing D&D altogether. But it wasn't until we started the second campaign, I got a little more into it. And I started DMing myself around that time, too, to get a few of that in there. Yeah, more experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad that you stuck with it, though, because <laughs> it, it does sound like a bit of a confusing experience. I mean, it, it is just so complicated that whenever you throw someone in, there's going to be a learning curve. But it sounds like it could have been a little bit smoother, but that, that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, how did you decide that you wanted to try running games And do you kind of remember what your first experience was like? Yeah. So when I decided to DM after I was like, okay, 
once I got the feel of playing Dungeons and Dragons, oh, I could, this is kind of fun. As a kid, I was always one of those that made up your own stories and you played with your siblings and just created weird things, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I want to try this, but I'm not sure how to build a world. So I bought the starter kit, Minds of Fandelvin. And we started out with that. And I actually started with playing with Abby's siblings. And the very first time, so I read through the manual, trying to figure out things, help them create their characters and stuff. And that very first encounter, when you run into the goblins, they all died. <laughs> oh, really? They did. Just and DBK, I was just like, your first thing. My first thing. Everybody, oh, no. there was about five of them. So oh, five no. of us, you know, they're all new to it. The only ones that were experienced is me and my wife. And there was like six months to a year of us playing. Right. And I was just, I was panicking. I was just like, oh, what do I do? Like, this wasn't supposed to be a hard combat. It was just like four or five little goblins, but they were all rolling really high and the other ones were rolling really low. And so it came into another experience of of me, oh, I can do this. I can DM. Is that, I was like, okay, well, they just got captured instead. You know, traditional Perfect. twisting it into it. And it actually turned into quite a... Unique thing is now they had to break out. And that, did you put them in the cave with Sildar like all together? Yeah, I, exactly. And so they got to talk to Sildar a little bit and they, it turned out really entertaining, but I was sweating bullets and panicking the whole time. It's <laughs> just like, I just killed my players, but we're going to put them over here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, that's a veteran DM move, frankly, from a brand new DM. So that's cool to hear that you were able to figure out a way to make it work so quickly and, and think on your feet. Yeah. I've been very blessed with that kind of mind thing, be able to think on my feet. Yeah. I'm sure nice. as an electrician, you got to be creative, right? You're mm. always problem solving. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I did a lot of improv in high school too. Mm. So that helped out a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're always trying to learn more about how to and how not to DM from people. I'd love to know what some examples are from your games. Uh, it sounds like, you know, the, the first time around, you figured it out pretty easily. So uh, were there <laughs> were there more blunders further down the road? Uh, yes, for sure. So the one that comes into my mind constantly is neglecting players. Because mm. I, for some reason, I always neglect my wife's characters, Abby's characters. And I don't know why. Everybody else's characters I can focus on. It's like, oh, you got a cool backstory and blah, 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 blah. You would think with the one I live with, communicate her backstory all the time. I don't involve her in the stories very much. And that's my little thing of reason why she chose to be Henley, one of the NPCs I previously had in a campaign. She's like, you're already invested in this character, so now I'm going to be that character so my character can be invested. Yeah, it makes sense now. Because there was one event that I did a little Sandman. It was a little character that I developed that he could show you your future. And so I got everybody's fears and stuff like that. And I was detailed in a lot of them. But then when it came to my wife's, I was just like, like all my other players, it was just like, there's a choice and a consequence for everything throughout your little vision. When it got to my wife's, it was, I just, I don't know why I did this. This is what happens. You're done. We're moving on. And I regret that because it didn't give her the ability to make her feel like she had a choice. And that's been one thing that I've, learned from that that mistake to try and be better at that. Also, another one that I remember is the player versus player issues that some people do. Mm. In that first campaign that I ran in Fandelver, they finally got back to the city. One of them got in trouble and got thrown in jail and was trying to break out. And the other PC that I was playing was trying to keep her in. So it came one of those for like a half hour, just them rolling against each other. And it became... A nightmare. And I know I mentioned it a couple times in the podcast. It's like, I don't really like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, if your character would believe them, let them believe them. I feel a lot of times, and my players get mad at me for this, is a lot of times dice rolling is too much. And there's certain times and places for it. And I think a lot of times role play, there's no room for dice rolls. Yeah. PvP is, is a very touchy subject and it's something you kind of all got to decide on early or you know kind of figure out what what amount is not going to cause problems i mm -hmm. guess uh the an acceptable amount below the threshold of okay now people are actually mad at each other kind of thing, right <laughs> right that's what you want to avoid i'm similar in that most of the time i resolve pvp with just role play like mm -hmm. like you said it's, it's better than involving dice because dice are fickle and random 
and it can appear like one person is being favored over the other yeah. when you know there's no influence other than whatever the the random dice gods are are giving us. So especially when the bard's trying to convince the barbarian of something, and it's just like, well, my my barbarian's not smart, right. so of course he's going to be persuaded. With I can't beat a bard's dice rolls. <laughs> yeah, I try to limit the PvP a similar way to just stuff that I think is narratively important or funny, or <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. But yeah, total agreement there. The neglecting players also is easy to fall into. I think that oftentimes, I'm not saying Abby in particular is like less vocal or or engages less Mm, in games, but I think that that happens a lot when you have a player who maybe injects themselves into situations less than everybody else. It can be easy to forget about them or or not involve them as much. Uh, So sometimes you do have a conscious effort to point at someone and say, what is your character doing or what do they think about this? And, and kind of keep everybody involved in the decisions or, or whatever else is happening. That communication. I'm huge on being having that communication. A lot of people do the session zero yep. to get that. I also do a kind of a session zero 1.1 where – and we do this every January, February. I get with my players yearly and say, okay, how's your story going? Am I involving you enough? Are you okay? Is there any issues that we have any problems? What do you like? What do you don't like? And that's been very helpful as well. Mm-hmm. As DMs, we want to tell a story, right? We have this fantastic story that we want to tell, and the players are there to help us tell it. They have stories too, and to involve both their story and our stories makes it that much more richer. And a lot of times, I found it with my own players that some of them are just like, no, nah, I'm here to have fun. It's like, okay, I won't worry so much about pushing the agenda that I think you have because you don't have an agenda, but I convince myself that you do. And so being able to have that open communication of like, they're just here for the ride. All right. I can throw some stuff at them and they'll run with it because they're like, Ooh, cool. Yeah. I'll go with that. Cause I had no idea. Yeah. I think you having a specific time you t- touch base with them is good too, because even if it's not the beginning of the year, when you'd normally do mm-hmm. that, Letting them know that you're actually interested in hearing their feedback means that they're more likely to reach out to you any other time during the year and tell you what they think and, and if there's an issue or something like that, right? So Exactly. And they've been more open to invite that stuff. They've been more open. Every now and then I'll get a text message to be like, hey, what about if we do this? It's opened that communication where otherwise they would just shut down. Yeah, yeah. I love it when players reach out to me with oh, ideas. Yeah. Oh, man. It's the best. You have so much better than better ideas than we do. <laughs> Let's move on now to favorite memories mm. from your games. So this can include stuff in the podcast or stuff that's happened just in your normal home games. Um, yeah, what are some of your favorite moments of improv or combat or role play? Really meaningful, really funny, you know, really emotional. Anything comes to mind that you really have enjoyed? So specifically from, I have several one of them that pop up. One is particular in the podcast, and it was kind of a funny one. It's when we go to, when we're in Avalon and Fenrir and Boudreaux get a shakedown in the alleyway. And that whole scene, I had that planned with the whole scarecrow thing coming out and stuff, but I didn't, I don't know why, but I did not think about the body. Like, what do they do afterwards? I was just like, cool. This is sets up a future thing. That's going to happen. It's going to be cool. And I just remember sitting there and be like, yeah, it happened. That was really cool. Everybody loved it. And then Boudreaux goes, what are we going to do with the body? <laughs> and I went, oh crap, what are you going to do with the body? Like, I didn't think of that. And so it turned into the whole thing of getting the guards, then being arrested. And I just did that all on the fly. Cause I was just like, I have no idea who would investigate this. Like who would, what is going on? <laughs> and so that was a very, and it turned out like really good. Cause it pushed Fenrir in a different direction mm-hmm. that got him more involved in the story. Which was really nice. And I had big advocate that a lot of failings can turn into great story moments if you let it and not worry about, oh, crap, I didn't plan for this. Oh, crap. We just did something really cool. Yeah. It definitely complicated their plans in the city, right? Yes. Without too many spoilers. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it threw a bunch of wrenches into all the stuff they were trying to do at that moment. But yeah, it, it definitely did make the story more interesting. Any others that come to mind? There's... Another one that we actually played with, we streamed, me and Abby streamed with this other podcasters called uh, Party of Two. And they invited us on the show and we did it. And Haley on there was DMing at the time. And she did such a phenomenal job of getting our characters involved and stuff. When we were in 
I forget exactly what it's called, but it's pretty much the Deadlands, where all the dead souls go. Because mm-hmm. this is Pathfinder 2, a uh, second edition, sorry. Yeah. And uh, all of us had lost somebody. And I remember my wife was talking to Weston's character, and he just finished talking to his loved one that he lost. And she sang a song, which is actually a song written by D.A. Nichols that we have planned for the podcast. And she was able to sing that song. And just having, after she sang that song, Haley coming behind her and saying, I love it when you sing your song. And Abby's character turns around and it's her husband that she lost. So that was a really cool moment as well. It wasn't anything I was technically involved in, but it's a lot of times it's funner just to watch something happen than actually be a part of it. Yeah, be there and be, be a witness to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Having run games for a while, what do you think makes for an ideal player of tabletop role-playing games? Oh, there's so many different variables, right? There's so many. So different many. Things. But I think for me, to be at my table, I really enjoy the players that are engaged. Being engaged in a story, whether it's your side of the story or not. My players have definitely developed the ability to be the background character, and I love them for it. They know they're learning how to be the spotlight character or be the background character. And I think being able to switch between the two, knowing, hey, this is their story, I'm just going to tag along, or hey, I'm a part of the story, I'm going to take the lead. I think that is very important. And I think it's also important, another big push for session zeros is the idea of having everybody have a niche. Everybody wants to be a part of the story. Everybody wants to have some kind of job, right? I'm a part of this group. I'm the sneaker. That's what I do. I'm the tank. I'm the one that takes care of business. That's what I do. And getting that established so everybody knows it and being able to accept those, not accept them, but being able to play into those roles. And you can go outside and that's fine. I expect you to go outside and grow as a character, right? Mm-hmm. But being able to know when to take the spotlight and when not to, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, totally. So you, like me, you know, my group is mostly family members and some friends mixed in Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Yours is, I guess, not exactly that, but you've got family and friends as Mm -hmm. part of your table, right? And you have since the beginning of your DMing time. So what have you found most challenging or difficult about running games with family members? And then, uh, or on the flip side, what's most rewarding about it? And uh, Abby and, and Elsie, please be kind to him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> be, based be on kind. his answers. <laughs> so I think the most difficult part is because we already have that kind of intimate relationship. Yeah. So when something does go bad, sometimes they take it personal. Mm-hmm. You had this happen to my character because we had that argument earlier, right? Or oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes that happens, and that's just human beings. When you're playing games, it doesn't necessarily come out on purpose subconsciously it may come out but that's been some issues that we've had but it's being able to open communicate is being like you know what i didn't mean to do that that way i'm sorry you took it that way but that's not how i meant so that's i think that's probably the most difficult part yeah the easy part of it is you talk to them all the time so you're able to involve their backstory a lot more with their characters i played a lot abby dms these ones we play with my nephews and nieces Mm. and her dad And it's been fun to play with family members where you know them a little bit more than friends half the time and being able to bounce, be a little quirky, a little more quirky than uh, you normally would with friends. Right. Be a little more childish, be more funny. You have a bunch of inside jokes with your family, right? You've got a ton of, I don't know, families. This is totally unrelated, but I've read (laughs) some stuff about language and how Mm. technically families like have different things that they say to each other that like constitute parts of a language just because it, you know, humans are tribal. And then like we, when we have our (laughs) tribe, we have a bunch of like jokes and and stuff that that we have with just the people we know the best. So yeah, it's exactly that. When you're able to say certain things to them and there's like, that was totally rude. It's like, nah, it's fine. That's my brother. I can say whatever I want. You know, you do have that kind of relationship too. So that's been, and it just, I never realized how much with all the other games out there, just TTRPGs in general, whatever system you play, it brings you together. If you're playing as a group and you're playing to achieve a goal, that brings unity, that brings togetherness. And that's one thing I love about playing with family or friends. That's one thing that I've loved, being able to grow together a little bit more and put yourself in situations that in real life you wouldn't necessarily have. Yeah. 
losing a party member, right? How does your party deal with that? Then later on when in real life, when you lose, quote unquote, another party member in real life, you're able to adjust to that a little better. And that's what I love about TTRPGs. Yeah. They're so unique. There's nothing like them. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. So when you started running games, what sources did you look to for advice Mm. on how to do it? How did you kind of like try to teach yourself? And then like, yeah, who are some people that you look up to specifically? And maybe not necessarily try to emulate, but maybe take ideas from or, you know, get inspiration from. So many. I One of my favorite podcasts, yours, of course. I really love listening to yours. How <laughs> Not to DM. I've been a big fan for a long time. Thank you. So this is kind of one of those geeky moments for me to be able to be interviewed by you. But Reed from Sneak Attack mm. and Josh from Titans of Altera, them being able to build such a unique world. I am very much one that learns, is hands-on, but also learns from other people. Yeah, I'm a people watcher. I love watching some people do stuff and be like, oh, Maybe if I try it this way, or they have a better idea, let me do it this way. The one that I've been really enjoying right now is a podcast called Dice Legends. And they're from New Zealand, and I'm going to butcher his name, and I apologize, but it's Vahid. And he, (laughs) I just love how embracing he is with his players, how excited he gets when they come up with a really cool idea or when they achieve something big. He's just like, oh yeah, that's so cool. That's a great idea. If my players mess with my plans, I get a little grumpy. <laughs> you know, it's yes. It's like, don't mess with my plans. You stay on the railroad, right? <laughs> I know that feeling all too well. But he, I've learned a lot from him just listening to him be like, you can tell the players are messing with him that are going in a total different direction, but he's just so good at just accepting it, loving it, and flowing with it. And that's been definitely one. And I think also going back to Party of Two, Weston and Haley are so good at describing. And Rhett from Stack of Dice, super good at describing. I don't have a very eloquent vocabulary, so it's been nice to learn different ways to describe things without knowing Lots of words. <laughs> right. Without having to be J.R.R. Tolkien, you, yeah. know, you, you can still set a scene and make it immersive. Dungeon Master Block is also a huge mm, yeah. influence in mine, having all their guests that they've had and just the discussions that they have to kind of expound the mind of a DM, the different ways you can play with different monsters, right? Sometimes it's to the rule book of Wizards of the Coast or, you know, twist it to your own way, yeah. which I love doing. I love the oh, traditional yeah. with the twists. That's everything I do is with a little twist, to be honest. Like, make it yours, you know? And now, a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. First up, let's hear from my friend Sam Comerford, the DM of Etherlog. Longtime listeners will remember that Sam was one of my guests from season two, and this is his latest project. Are you looking for a new actual play series? The Etherlog is an evolving actual play podcast that is meant to be a series of campaigns. The first campaign, The Key to Vidra, is a 5e game in a collaboratively homegrown world run by Sam Comerford. The Key to Vidra is like if you mix the grit and horrific power of Riot's Arcane series with some of the charm and fantasy heights of Studio Ghibli. Combine all these elements and you get a great time, so check it out wherever podcasts are available. Next, I want to shout out my friends at System Switch. There are thousands of podcasts of people playing D&D. System Switch is not just another actual play podcast. System Switch has short seasons and short episodes, no huge backlog and no huge commitment. They've also got movie-level sound design complete with ambiance, custom-recorded sound effects, and a full soundtrack. And here's the best part. After every season, the two main characters multiverse hop into a whole new universe in the form of a whole new TTRPG system. Season 1 of System Switch, where they play Blades in the Dark, is out now on all your podcasting apps. And don't worry, there are only 8 episodes, so you can binge it. And next, let's hear from my friends at Game Night Heroes. That's Night with a K. Come and join the adventure with the Game Night Heroes. Game Master Kevin tells exciting and immersive stories with a rotating cast of players brought from all corners of the internet. Streamers, role players, dungeon masters, and players alike join the round table as the tale unfolds. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. Episodes come out every Tuesday. Find more information at GameNightHeroes.com. We'll see you out there.
And finally, podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Are you a podcast or video content creator who wishes you spent more time creating the content you love and less time doing the boring editing that bogs you down? Check out podcasteditors.online or videoeditors.online to see all of their awesome rates and offerings for editing content. Buy a few hours of editing a la carte or buy their bulk plans if you have more content that you need created. Check out the links in the episode notes for more information about both podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. And now let's get back to the second half of the show, starting off with Quickfire Chaos. Welcome to Quickfire Chaos! This week on Quickfire Chaos, Dave and I are going to roll on some random D100 tables from the internet to create a scenario to roleplay. For those of you who are listening, you may have noticed that the sound sounds a little bit different. That's because Dave and I are actually in person right now, in real life in the world. So... This is the first time I've done an in-person episode, and this will be obviously the first time I've done Quickfire Chaos in person, so uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun, everybody. Okay, so uh, let's kick it off. Dave has just grabbed his dice. He's got a sweet chainmail bag, and he's got this really cool rolling tray that looks like it's made from like an antique, some kind of furniture. Anyway, very cool. Abby actually made this for me. She did? She did. Where did she get the the wood and the... Just in the backyard of her dad's house. <laughs> yeah, that's, it, it definitely looks weathered and stuff. A lot of cool... On, on the drive here, I saw tons of cool barns and stuff. Mm-hmm. My grandparents kind of live in, in more agrarian place too. And like, yeah, I don't know. There's just something cool about seeing all the old fence wood and the barn wood and stuff. Okay, cool. Let's kick it off, Dave. So first, uh, voice description. Okay, D100, right? Yeah, let's, let's have it. 85. Very obviously trying to sound smarter than they are. <laughs> hey, so, that's me know, in general. Every, everyone's every day. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'll love play it. me. Okay. <laughs> Personality trait. 86. Predictable. Easily seen through and accessible where almost anyone can predict reactions and actions of said person by having met or known. Oh, this is very complicated. <laughs> so pretty uh, much his intentions are very... On his sleeve. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, predictable. So, yeah, someone is watching you and they know exactly what you're going to do. So trying to be smarter than you actually are, but yet you're not clever at all because they, oh, yeah, you're trying to get me to clean your room. I I understand what you're doing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Like a parent who's trying to trick their kid but is doing a really bad job. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So far, we're hitting my characteristics. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. Your job or or something uh, that you do. 25. Rat catcher. Oh. Okay. We've had that one before. Yeah. Uh, Dead Aussie Gamer last season. He was a rat catcher. He was a rat rat catcher. Anyway. <laughs> uh, lastly, Dave chose fetch quest. So let's see what you're going to ask me to go fetch. Seven. A special bottle of whiskey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really done many. In fact, I don't think I've ever done a bard. I'm going to do a bard in okay. honor of Solemn. Ah, oh, thanks. Uh, I'll do my best solemn impression, but call me <laughs> um, call me Stately, the lawful bard. Stately? Stately is a synonym of solemn. Huh, the word stately. solemn, not like... Right, know, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Stately, the, uh, <laughs> the lawful bard. Yes. I'll be an elf, too, just because, you know, tall mm-hmm. and, and opposite of, of, a, of a jolly little halfling. Okay. <laughs> so I'll let you set the scene and, and let's get it started. So you enter this humble little town and the roads are, you know, they're just dirt roads. As people walk by, the dust just falls, flies off from your feet. Mm. And you see kind of just outside this little tavern, this kind of, he's on the shorter side. He's very lanky and he's, he's very hunched over and he's like playing with his hand, just walking back and forth, back and forth in front of the uh, tavern. Okay. And... He looks up and notices you as you come walking closer. Excuse me. Uh, I seem 
to have um in the basement. You know, I I'm a rat catcher, and I tried to you know clean out the rats in this place. It's it's very infested. Actually, I shouldn't be telling you that, but it's it's <laughs> down in the basement. You know, I I left some tools maybe, and I need possibly to go. It's just a crate. It'll say a you know a, a wine crate, but would you possibly <laughs> go get it for me? Uh, yes, uh, sorry, what was your name? Ah, my, my name's, uh, my name's Jorgen. Uh, Jorgen, yes, I am Stately, the lawful bard. Uh, I have, I'm a tall elf, uh, really gray drab clothes, kind of willowy in my movements, and I, and I lean down and attempt to shake your hand. What does your hand look like? It's very bony. Okay. And, like, his features are very rat-like. Okay. Of course. Yeah. He has kind of bigger two front teeth and stuff. His hair's wiry, kind of balding a little bit. Okay. But he doesn't look old, though, but he definitely has that old feel to him. Okay. I'll probably shake his hand then. And, and like, very fish. Wipe dead it. fish. <laughs> wipe it a little bit on <laughs> my robes behind my legs so he can't see. Uh, you said, uh, sorry, you were looking for a crate in the bottom of this tavern. Uh, it is infested. And so you don't want to go down there yourself. Oh, oh no, I, I cleaned it out. You know, everything's all clean. No more rats anymore. But I believe I left, you know, one of my nets down there. I think when I was, you know, trying to clean stuff up, it may have accidentally fallen in one of those wine barrels. And, wine barrels and I just want, you know, it's just so there's no contamination or anything. Just bring it up here and I'll take care of it. So you don't want to be seen doing this, so you're sending me. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you could have half the barrel. I mean, I'll gladly pay you to to do it. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, you know, because I've already established my business there, and, you know, it's nobody likes to go go back in and out, in and out, you know. Right, you, you've already been paid for the job. You, it would be awkward for you to go it, down and... Exactly, I, yes, exactly. Okay. Yes, 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 uh, yes. You are telegraphing very well, my friend. Uh, I think I can do this for you. You said whiskey whiskey barrel, which the net has fallen into. Yeah, it'll have... Like, yeah, it'll it'll say... Uh, it's called Boudreaux's Bayou Beer. Boudreaux's Bayou Beer, Yes. I will go get this barrel for you. Uh, I'm assuming it must be done discreetly. It, the, the better, yes, because I don't, I don't want them to uh, realize that you know I may have contaminated their alcohol. You know, it's a very fine establishment. I, I don't want any issue with that. You know, just discreetly. We must keep your, uh, your good name intact. <gasps> yes, exactly, exactly. Well, uh, I will go get this for you. I'll make quite a ruckus and. Uh, or perhaps I will uh, woo the barkeep in some way. Um, they call me uh, stately the lawful bard, but I am not the most uh, lawful, as you have ascertained. I will go do this for you. Yeah, maybe we can go into business together. I like this. Uh, you're saying you don't actually do your job? I'm very good at my job. Right. But, um, I, but I'm a very good rat catcher. Very good. As he has like a rat fall out of his pocket. A live one. A live one fall right out of his pocket and back into the tavern. He Catch just... and release. I see. Uh, it's humane. Right. Well, great for marketing. Uh, I'll go get this barrel for you. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll be waiting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Rat catchers. Always, always good NPCs. You know, I've never and used And I've never one. used... Neither have I. Oh, you and I both. I guess now my I next session. Now I gotta throw one in. Yep. Yeah. Next session. Easy, easy money. Okay, excellent. So we've been talking a little bit about your experiences running games. Part of it is for a podcast. Podcast is called Tomes of the Chaos Bard. You've got your shirt on right now. You, yeah. you all just got your shirts. The whole cast is here and they are all wearing their shirts too. It's great. <laughs> it's like a uniform. <laughs> Tell me where the idea came from. How'd you get the inspiration? And then how did you get the show off the ground from an idea to an actual thing you're publishing and you know letting people listen to? Yeah, so I had been DMing probably about three or four years at that at this point, and I am a horrible note taker. I was messing things up, and my players were getting a little frustrated. So I was like, you know what? Let's just start recording. So we got just the little voice recorder, set it in the middle of us, 
and we started recording stuff. Oh, just so you could listen back to it. Exactly. Oh. So I could at work, you know, pop it in. I got a new session coming up. Okay, pop it in. Listen to it. Okay, I said this. I said this. This they were interested in this NPC. So that's kind of how we did it. And we hmm. did that for maybe six or seven uh, sessions that we did. Yeah. And my wife started listening to them. Like we all, I sent them all out to everybody, so everybody's on track. Everybody remembers what happened last time. And our sessions just began to, you know, started flowing really well. And my wife came up to me one day and she's like, "You know what?" you're telling such a really good story. We're all role-playing really well. And this is during, um, started happening during the pandemic. And so a lot of our favorite actual play podcasts started disappearing. You know, Sneak Attack ended, Titans of Altera went on hiatus. Right. Everybody that was recording in person kind of stopped doing it. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so there was that kind of that void that we were filling. And she's like, maybe we could help fill that void. We have this huge room that we can social distance. And we, we could do this. I was very hesitant at first. I'm very, I'm very much the person of like, I like being the background person to make sure everything flows smoothly. I hate being in front of people, which and, is kind of weird being the DM. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as the DM of a podcast, you're kind of the focal point, you know, like you're, yeah, the you're the man, one who's got to right? make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a weird complex, but I was just like, I don't, I don't know about this. And so she finally convinced me and I was like, okay. So we brought it up with the group. And we discussed it. There was a lot of hesitation with it because it's it's a lot of work. And that's when and me and Abby did some research. For those who are interested in podcasts, I would advise going to there's a podcast out there about how to make a podcast. And that's exactly what it's called, how to make a podcast. And that was very helpful with us because I was like, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it right. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna record on a computer mic. We're not going to record off this voice recorder and have us all around there. I want everybody to have their own tracks so we can edit cleaner. And I want better mics. You know, I want a certain grade before we even did that. Mm -hmm. So we started doing that. And then, of course, the name, right? How do, what are we going to call it? As a group, we threw around a couple names. I wish I could remember some of them off the top of my head. Like one was lights camera roll i think mm. was one because mm -hmm. we made sure that nobody else had those names too that was probably right. the most difficult one because 20-sided story is what we wanted to that already to do and it already yeah. existed so we were trying to come up with a unique one and we decided on tomes of the chaos bard and solemn is actually one that i is an npc i had from the beginning Okay, so he's been around since the start. He's been around, and he's my favorite show is Star Wars. Uh -huh. Love Star Wars, love the lore, and I love in the originals particularly that wise Yoda, the wise one who comes in, helps the story along, and I just love stories like that where there's that kooky little character, but they're the ones that actually get the story going. And Solomon had been there from the beginning. Quill came out around later, but I'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. So Solomon. I don't want to give too much away because there's a lot of backstory to him, but he's been around a long time and he's always messing with stories. He's always trying to develop his own story because he wants to be that master storyteller. That is his goal. That is his drive. Right. Be known as the the best storyteller. The exactly. Best yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so he always would find a group, which is my players, of right. course, right. to, oh, they're the, they're the ones that I want to write my story about. And that's kind of where he came from. And that's why we decided to call it Tomes of the Chaos Bard. And luckily, we've been able to have original songs and music, too. Yeah. We've been very fortunate. I mentioned earlier, me and Abby's been part of a melodrama. And they do it up here in Brigham City, every Peach Days, guys, <laughs> that uh, she writes her own music. She writes every show from scratch every year, new one every year. And we got with her and we were like, hey we have this idea. We want you to write a song for us. This is the character's name. And this is where Quill came in. Cause she's like, does he have a little sidekick? Why wouldn't he have a sidekick? So me and Abby, Abby actually came up with the idea of Quill and funny little background. I'm solemn. Abby's Quill. That really, I thought I do were... the voices. Oh, but I was the like, characteristics. I thought you did the Quill voice. I was like, did you just really <laughs> alter her voice? Because I did not, I could not tell. Okay. More, the, more the personalities. Right. I'm kind of the okay. kooky, let's just go do something crazy just because we can. And Abby's the very more intelligent, more think A plus B equals C type character. 
And so when we get to writing Solomon Quill scripts, it's very much, I come up with the idea of everything. I hand it off to her and she flavors up Quill's vocabulary. Cause as I mentioned before, I'm not very good at vocabulary, but she flavors it up. And then she always gets mad at me. Cause I always end up adding things anyways. <laughs> Cause as you start recording, you're just like, Ooh, this would be fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's how Solomon Quill and kind of the name of the podcast did. Yeah. To get it off the ground was scary. (laughs) I bet. Because one idea that I had is I wanted to have a backlog Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to burn ourselves out. So trying to pace ourselves because a lot of the podcasts that we did listen to, a lot of them mentioned that they had got burnout because they were releasing every week. And I was like, oh, another podcast that I love is Bombarded. And they mentioned that they do every other week. So they give themselves time to create and to publish their stuff. And I was like, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Because that was a heavily debated thing to a lot of people in the cast wanted to release every week because we'd get more numbers, because we'd get more episodes. People like to listen to the binge, right? But I was like, no, we need to pace ourselves. We're all busy. We all pretty much all of us have little kids and day jobs, you know? So we wanted to pace ourselves. Plus, we were all new at this, trying to edit like zeb's been amazing with the editing he plays fenrir in the podcast he's didn't know how to do editing no idea and i was just like this is the software you were using he's like okay i'll do it i was like really he's like yeah i don't have a life (laughs) (laughs) and then since then he's gotten married so (laughs) so it's a little but he's done a fantastic job learning growing with that And so it's been a group effort to get this off the ground and it's been amazing. So many other podcasts do I hear that the DM does all the work, right? They do the edits, they do all that. But here we spread the load a lot. Get into a little bit of that is like we record, edit does the main editing, the raw editing. Then he sends it out to me and Elsie. Me and Elsie listen to it a couple of times, send back our feedback. Hey, you missed this part or put this part back because we liked it. You cut this track out and somebody was talking, put that back in because you couldn't hear them. And then after that's done, we hand it off to Abby and she does all the sound effects and the music and adds that stuff. And then I listen to it the final time and then we ship it out. And Becky and Evan, the ones who play Roscoe and Lila and Garatha, and they help out immensely because they watch our kids when we're doing stuff like that. Oh yeah, okay. I mean, just the little things, it's been a group effort and it's been not a headache. It's been busy work but it's been really nice. You made a great point. Like you said, a lot of shows out there have said like, wow, we did way too much and we were kind of stuck and it it was easy to get burnt out. But I think you've definitely found a good balance. Number one, bi-weekly. Number two, everyone does something. I know I definitely struggled with that when I started just because there's so much to do. Mm. And that's when I started planning like season breaks and stuff like that just to give myself some time. But yeah, definitely good advice for anybody who's planning to like, make something out there, make sure to give yourself time between what you're making and also be kind to yourself and don't be too hard on yourself and and try to do everything because you can't, you know? Right. When we first started releasing episodes, I was being very much a perfectionist. Right. It's like, this is not working. And I can get into our first three episodes. I was just horrible, the distortion in there. And I wanted to quit then and there. Our first three episodes, I thought it flowed really well, but then The audio was just bad and I almost gave up then, but it was good experience to be like, you know what? It was humbling to me for the fact of, you know what? It's not perfect and it's not going to be perfect, but the, the audience, our fans have been so kind to us because they listened to the first three episodes. There's a lot of distortion. There's issues there, but they continued. And now we're up to episode 43 that just released yesterday. Yep. Yesterday. And so, and we still get lots of listeners. And so they've been very forgiving. And I think part of that is just being open. Me and the cast being open, be like, hey guys, there's a lot of issues here. We know that. We're not trying to pull wool over your eyes. Um, we also we don't have want to fixed. re-record three hours of content. Yeah. Well, and that's been, <laughs> a lot of podcasts do that though, right? And I think it ruins the integrity of the raw emotions that you deliver. Because I know that was a discussion, right? We heard the bad audio and that was a discussion we had is, do we want to re-record those? And ultimately I said, no, I don't. I I do want to re-record them, but you miss the raw interaction between the characters meeting for a first time. You miss the raw reaction to certain events that happened. 
And I was like, that is more important than having good audio is getting those raw, unadulterated feelings and emotions and acting there. Because there was a couple other episodes that we had that same issue of, do we want to re-record this? Because it just turned out to be a mess and we just left it because Uh they don't know what went wrong. Right. right? Yeah. Honestly, listeners, this is true. Like, like you said, you at the beginning, you're like, oh, I want it to be perfect. And I Mm -hmm. think everyone, when they're creating something, they want it to be the best it can be or they want it to be perfect. But yeah, listeners are way more forgiving than you think they will be. Yes. And so don't sweat the the small stuff and it's all small stuff. You yeah, know, good is, is better than perfect. All all of those platitudes. Yeah. I've talked to tons of people who say, oh yeah, you know, this specific episode was bad or, or I, I had an issue with that. And I, as like a third party person who had no opinion one way or the other, I always be like, oh, I didn't even notice, you know, like <laughs> I make a podcast and like every once in a while I notice stuff people do and I'm like, oh, that's a little annoying mm-hmm. or whatever. But most of the time I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm just listening to this because I enjoy the people. You know how much work goes into it. Yeah, true, and, true. And people... <laughs> People are a lot forgiving than they think. And I just want to thank everybody for doing that, right? We're all creators. We're none of us are professionals, really. Yeah. yeah. A lot of podcasters, they're not professionals. The professionals, you know who they are. <laughs> they don't even do their own work. <laughs> Let's just say that. Right. They just get in front of a mic and record. Yeah. But it's must be nice. Yeah, it must be nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you mentioned uh, D.A. Nichols and her involvement in, in writing uh, the theme for Solemn. And then she's uh, since written themes for each of your characters and, yes. and other music as well. So that's one part uh, that makes Tomes really unique in my mind. Theme music, um, songs written custom by a composer. I also love the meta story of Solemn being like the one pulling the <laughs> strings behind the scenes because that's almost like a DM in my mind. It's just uh-huh. it's really funny that you're playing the guy who's who's like trying to make the story happen when you're the DM. I don't know. It just is <laughs> like the layers there is hilarious to me. You also, at the beginning, decided you wanted the show to be family-friendly, uh, much yes. like some of the other podcasts you and I really enjoy. How did you decide that you wanted it to be family-friendly? And I guess, uh, what has been the feedback from listeners about that that kind of stuff, in addition mm-hmm. to you know the music and, and uh, the kind of story? So family-friendly has always been big on our minds. Me and Abby have two little ones, two mm-hmm. little girls. We wanted to do a product that, whether it was successful or failed, that they could go back and listen to and be like, you know what? That was fun. Something that our kids could listen to that if they were around when we were listening to that, they wouldn't be offended or they, we didn't have to be like, okay, don't say this word, right, you know? Right. My kid's at the age where <laughs> he'll repeat stuff that you mm. say. Right. And so not that we say a bunch of weird stuff around him anyway, <laughs> but like every once in a while we'll say something and he says it like right after and we're like, oh shoot, like we gotta yep. he's listening all the time and he's going to pick up on this stuff. So Yeah. That's like a good reason in itself, but yeah. And we wanted people to have that same feeling in their home before we were recording. We were talking about the stats and stuff like that. Yeah. And we can see a lot of our stuff, what top platforms that we have. Spotify is our top platform that a lot of listeners to. The second one is probably my favorite is Alexa enabled devices. Mm. That means people, family members, Hey, Alexa, play Tomes of the Chaos Bard. That means they're listening to it with their families. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing for me and the podcast because that's why we did it. This is one way that we can help booster, you know, a positive vibe in the world. We're all about trying to make the world a little better and trying to make it a little more entertaining in a positive way. One of our favorite fans that listens to us, it's a, it's a father and a daughter. That's their way that they listen to the episodes together. And that's been one of the heartwarming stories of the podcast. If it was just them two listening, I'd be happy with that yeah. because I'm ca- I'm helping, I'm assisting in a father and daughter relationship, and that means a lot to me because I have my two daughters of my own. Mm-hmm. Being able to have that interaction, and that's really what we want. Is one of our goals was to bring that kind of unity as family members, friends. Oh, did you hear the recent episode of Tomes of the Chaos Bard? Oh, that was so crazy. Being able to have the water cooler conversation bringing people together. Yeah. I love it. All right. At the beginning of the show, you're kind of like little intro. You mentioned that it's in the land of Keleth, which is mm-hmm. based on a homebrew world you already created. So you've played some games in this world before. Correct. You mentioned also your wife playing a character called Henley, who was an NPC in a previous game too. So mm-hmm. Has it been easy to prep and plan since you have thought about this world and you've been thinking about it for a while? And 
yeah, how does that kind of play in the way that this game is played out? And your players, if they've been playing in the world too, like, does that kind of help give them a lot of context or do you still have to explain a lot of stuff to them? Yeah, it's been different because I'm very much the one, why throw it out when it's not broken? And so I've played about, this would be our third campaign in this world. Mm -hmm. The other Different time frames, I'm assuming? Different time frames, yep. Where, where do all of the games fit chronologically? That's the best way to say it. Yeah. So our first one happened about five years-ish before this okay, campaign started. Okay, so recent. Started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's only been little time jumps here and there. Our first campaign ended up half the players died because of one player's decision. <laughs> half the players died. So instead of like bringing them in new into it, we had some other friends that wanted to play. So I was like, well, we'll start all over. And we put them in Hayden's Hollow, mm -hmm. which is where we're at for the podcast as well. And it's been nice to play in the same world with the same players because they're already familiar with a lot of the things. So when I mention certain NPCs, they're like, oh, we knew them in the past campaign. And so it's nice to bring that. And even their players that they played in previous campaigns, I'm bringing them in as well. Right, right. In the first episodes, we talk about a character named Dracarys. And he's Evan's PC that he played in a previous campaign. And they love that. I am definitely one that if you've already created an NPC, they're not a one and done thing. I love reusing them and be like, hey, familiar person, familiar person. Here's some new people. But guess what? They're related to this familiar person, familiar person. I believe that brings the story more personal than trying to start brand new from anything. And in the land of Keleth, being able to already have that established with the players so it's familiar to them. So then they're able to react a little better. There's still a lot of things that I have to, there's a new city that I created for this purpose or their PC is from a different land. So you got to do a little digging into that, but it's mm. been really nice to not have to start from scratch every time, right, right. <laughs> especially for a podcast. Yeah. I know some people put in a ton of work to create a whole world before they even, you know, pick up a mic. So yeah, I can definitely see the advantages. What what has it been like to run the game with the intent of recording it and releasing it as a podcast versus what was it like to just kind of run the game with your friends and family? You know, what are the big differences in your mind? The big differences is that when we record, we're a lot better at staying on track. <laughs> That's good. Staying focused on the game because that was one big thing that we pushed in the early things. So our episodes are about an hour once they're edited and stuff, but we generally record for about an hour and 20 minutes. Just because oh, it's not bad at all. When we first started, it was like an hour and 45 minutes. Because, mm -hmm. you know, as you're playing games, you banter, you trash talk a little bit, you get a little distracted. Hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom or hey, I'm going to go get me some pizza. You know, it gets Making jokes, probably singing a lot more show tunes uh, than, yes. than normal. <laughs> yeah, very much than, so. Than recorded. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot <laughs> of songs that get edited out because it's like, yeah, that's not relevant. Because we try and stay story focused. Right. We like to have that table banter because everybody loves that table banter. But we try and get rid of kind of the more outlandish stuff. Mm -hmm. I do miss just sitting down and just playing. Then having a mic in front of your face and looking over at Zeb and be like, is all our audio levels good? You know, making sure everybody's giving little hand signals. That's one thing that mm -hmm. you guys don't see is as we're playing, we're doing little hand signals of like, get closer to your mic step back from your mic, talk louder. There's little things like that. Do you do signals for who's going to talk next to like people raising their hand to say they want to- A lot of people will raise their hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there'll be a scene going on and then somebody will raise their hand and we'll get their information and then be like, oh, we'll get to you in a minute. It'll tie right into here. Mm -hmm. So that's been helpful too. Instead of people interrupting is people are, we're a lot more polite that way. It's like, oh, I do have something. I just want you to know that. Raise my hand. Here we go. Mm -hmm. So that's been a lot better too, but I do miss the atmosphere of just sitting down and just bantering and playing. I do miss that a lot. There's something to be said for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have a day job, you have kids, you have a bunch of other things you've got to balance along with this big project that you all decided to take on. So how do you make it all work and how do you keep your hobbies and your obligations balanced? Ooh, is that hard? <laughs> It's become a lot easier since we've been doing this for almost two years now that being able to set aside time for things. One of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves is that we're super busy and it's because we don't keep a schedule. Yeah. 
I had to do this several times throughout my life. It's just like, oh, I'm just always busy, always busy. And then I catch myself. I've been looking at TikTok videos for an hour now. (laughs) Or I've been playing this video game or watching this show for four hours. I'm super busy, right? And so it's been able to step back and be like, you know what? I do want to play this video game, but, you know, let's go play with the girls or I need to go record this. And it's been helpful to be like every Tuesday, if I have some Solomon Quill stuff I need to record or planning for a session every Tuesday around five o'clock, I disappear and start working on that. And Abby's been really good at doing that. Or if she has some stuff that uh, adding sound effects to it, okay, I'll go take the girls. You go disappear for a few hours and get that stuff Mm -hmm. taken care of. And like I mentioned before, we're able to send the girls, our kids off with Elsie or with Becky and Evan to go watch them for us too. It's been a very group thing. Hard. It is hard to maintain it, but definitely some dedication and discipline Yeah, to that. Yeah. Yeah. I found the same thing. It can be hard to balance. And sometimes I've gone too far one direction, right? right, Where I'm like, oh, I haven't done anything for the show. And then other (laughs) times I'm like, I've done way too much for the show and I've been neglecting, you know, my, my kid and my, and my wife. So yeah, you gotta be careful, but I think there's definitely balance you can find. Mm -hmm. All right. So you've been running the show for about two years now coming up. In February. In February, yeah. I was going to say it's it's early in the year, right? So congrats, number one. Thank on, you. On how long you've been running for. Uh, but number two, do you have a set plan in mind as the DM for how much longer the show is going to have? You know, do you have an estimate of, of total episode count given the current pace of the show? Or, you know, is there like an act structure you're trying to follow right now? Or is it just wherever the wind takes you? It's, I know where I want to end it. Yeah. How long it takes me to get to that end, it's really up in the air. Because we have officially passed our act one. Because I do like the act idea. Yes. And act one took a lot longer than I thought it would. I was going to say, was it was it a lot longer than it, you thought? It, it was. was. Yeah. I was expecting it to be, I'll let the, if you want to check out what took us so long, go ahead and go listen to Tomes of the Chaos part. <laughs> Because players will mess with you every time. Oh, yes. They'll, I thought I had an easy way for them to get there. And then there was a jump sideways. And it's like, okay, I guess we're going here. And that takes two or three episodes to go solve that. We just finished act one. We're in act two. It's kind of like you said, with the wind. Because there's been sometimes as a DM, and I'm sure a lot of other DMs think this, going back to what are some of my mistakes, mm-hmm. is trying to push the story too much. Trying to be like, we need to be at A, or we need to be at part B before we get to C, and they want to go to C. It's like, no, we got we got to stay on this track and pushing them a little too much. Railroading them, as people say, and just pushing them along. And that's some of our episodes we've done that, and I listened back to them and was like, I regret that. It, it You miss a lot of stuff. You miss a lot of the role play, the emotion. And so, yeah, definitely going through arcs. How long it's going to last? I don't know. I already have plans for campaign two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a, it ties into campaign one. The ending of campaign one will start off campaign two. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to get there. How long it'll get there? I don't know. But I, I'm just enjoying the ride. All right. So last question here. What are your parting words of wisdom and encouragement to new DMs, to aspiring DMs, to people who've been running games for a long time? If you have like one or two really good pieces of advice that you've either thought of yourself or have been told and and want to pass on. Yeah. I think for those who are inspiring to be DMs, and this is a good reminder for veteran DMs too, that have been DMing for a long time. Don't get too complicated. Keep things simple. I know that's been... It's a hard thing to do because you have all these complex stories you want to weave in and out. But one thing that I've learned that's really helped me be better is keeping things simple. When I first started DMing, I thought I had to plan out the whole world. I needed age one, age two, the golden age, like every history, every ruler, every dictator. I thought I had to have it all. Mm -hmm. But I never got the campaign off its feet until I said, you know what? I'm going to start with one city what that one city is going to be about. Then I'm going to start with one problem, have them solve that problem. And it's just little things like that through little things, small things, great things can come to pass. You can have things grow from there. You can make one little sliver into a big mountain and don't worry, your players will take care of that for you. (laughs) Making a mountain out of a molehill. Mm -hmm. 
So let them do their thing too. That'd be another advice. Go with the flow of your players. There's been a lot of things, listen to the podcast, that just any table, players will go left when you wanted them to go backwards. You know, they'll go any direction they want, but doesn't mean that your plans are irrelevant. You can save your plans for later. Once I figured that out, I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll save this. I'll put this on the back burner for now because we're focusing on this. Oh, guess what? That's now done. Oh, guess what? Boom. Here's the new project for me that I've been working on forever. Ha ha ha. But it makes them feel more immersed in the world, I've noticed too. Letting them, quote unquote, run the game, even though you're running the game, your players are telling the story. You're just the narrator putting the plot points in. Yeah. It's like they're setting the agenda and you're you're just filling out the bullet points. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Your previous guest that you had on here about not over planning, mm-hmm. right? I loved what she, I wish I could remember her name. It was just the one you just recently released. Uh, Carrie Smith. Yes. Yeah. yeah. About her, her thing of the, like, oh, you just, right. I forget the exact quote. Uh, she said, plan for the things your players can't change. Yes. Plan for the things your players can't change. Yeah. Brilliant. Blew my mind. It's like, oh yeah. yeah I'm always I'm, planning for things that right. are always changing. It's Why like, would I spend time on that? Yeah. Exactly. So now I can be like, okay, this is what I want to happen. They can't change that, but that's the direction they're going to go. Mm. So that's what I'm going to work on. How they get there, that's their problem, right? Not my problem because they're going to get there. But let's enjoy the ride. Yeah. Beautiful advice from Carrie. And I love that it's impacted you so much. It was good for me to hear too, right? Like, I mean, that's the reason I started the show was to get advice from really smart people. (laughs) Uh, So it's not that I'm really qualified to run Mm -hmm. really good games. It's that I want to learn. So I love it. Thanks, Tom, for that advice. Thanks so much for for coming on, Dave. It's been a blast. Uh, Where can people find you? Where can people find the show? And then, yeah, is there anything fun or exciting upcoming or maybe that just happened that you want to talk about? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram, on uh, Twitter at chaosbardpod. You can also email us at chaosbardpod at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, from anybody about about the show. And if you have questions, I've had several people email me about GM questions, and that's been really fun too. We're very active on there. Um, You can find me personally at thegrayjedi505 on Twitter. I'm often on there. Um, we do have a Discord as well. It's in our show notes. When you find our show, we have discussions on there as well. Announcements. We finally got our Ko-Fi, which is like a Patreon, finally up and running. Like it's full force running. And there, one particular thing I'm so excited about, post shows. Every time we record, we record about three sessions, uh-huh. two to three sessions. And after those recordings, we do a post show talking about those two or three episodes. And so those are going to be available there. Starting at episode 39 and 40, I believe it was. And then I'm going back into the archives and talking about each session. So I go through episodes one, two, and three, and I discuss how I created those, how I planned for those, how it went, what wrenches the players threw into my plans, and how I dealt with it. Mm. And then at the end of it, explain what I learned from it. What mistakes did I made? what I did to adjust for those mistakes or how it changed the story and my direction of planning. And I'm really excited to do those. If you want an example of that in our little side things that we do called Solemn's Column, I gave a little example of that, of how I created the campaign in general. And that's been really fun. We're getting ready to do another Solemn's Column here soon. Another unique thing that we do is that we have Solemn give the shout outs for five-star reviews. And that's been really fun. So if you want to hear a goofy little character make fun of your name and stuff like that <laughs> and give you a shout out on the on your five-star reviews, those are really fun. If you want an example of that, go look at Solemn's Column Volume 1. For like 10 minutes, he just yeah. he just banters about different people's reviews and stuff, which mm-hmm. is way fun because those ones, I just sit down and record. Like I don't have a script for those. <laughs> I just read the reviews and say what comes to my mind. Love or it. Solemn's mind, I guess I should say. <laughs> yeah, a little unfiltered action. You can also on the coffee, Ko-Fi, however it's however said, it's I don't said, know. Yeah. You can buy the cast lunch or dinner, right? Yes. So when you get together and record, you can chuck a few bucks their way and feed the cast and they'll give you a sticker, a shout out. What is it again? We give stickers and, right. and a shout out. And that's actually been our most popular thing. 
surprisingly, people love to do it. It's a good way for you guys to be involved in the creation of this podcast. There we have shirts as well. We have keychains, a lot of other extra things. Going to the family friendly thing, we have an activity book where you guys can draw solemn. You guys can draw the characters in our podcast. And it's been really fun that way too. Yeah. Tons of different things happening. Yeah. Check out Tomes of the Chaos Bard, wherever you can find your podcasts and follow DM Dave and pester him with questions on Twitter or whatever you want. <laughs> I to love do. interacting with you guys. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, I said it already, but thanks so much for having me, Dave. Uh, thanks so much for hosting me. I'm currently in DM Dave's mm-hmm. basement right now. I'm on site where the magic is, <laughs> is made, where it happens, you know? So uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a ton of fun to actually do an interview in person. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think people will be able to tell the energy is a little bit different. And, I think yeah. so. It's definitely a lot different than being on the phone or something like that. You right. see the body language, you see the interactions. And I'd like to thank you for having me on the show. And it's been great. I've been a big fan of your show for quite a while. So it's exciting to be be here sitting in front of you too. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much. And well, you'll you'll hear from me next week. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's very special double feature guests. Shelly Mazanoble and Greg Tito, hosts of Wizards of the Coast's very own official D&D podcast, Dragon Talk. My second attempt was also for women, um, but they were co-workers that also were starting to work on D&D and didn't know how to play. So they, they wanted to learn and I taught them. And because, again, these were women that were more like pop culture, mainstream, more likely reading People magazine than the Player's Handbook. I crafted a adventure in which the Kardashians were the villains. And I'm talking about the Kardashians, the reality TV show family, not these characters from Star Trek, which some people thought I was doing. And they were like, yes, when I first mentioned this and people accidentally thought I was cool. They were like, oh, wow, I didn't know like you actually had that like that cool Star Trek. I don't know if anyone's ever accused Star Trek fans of being cool, but uh, in our office. It's definitely gets you cool point. Like they were like, oh, she is one of us. And I was like, the what? No, come on. Totally disappointed them. But anyway. And Greg, I'm not making fun of you. I like Star Trek as well. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you see I, that internal monologue in my head? No, I just, I just want to make sure yeah, like, that, that you know cool. we're on the same page here. Star Trek fans <laughs> are just as cool as D&D fans. To hear more fun stories about working for Wizards of the Coast, some top tier DMing advice and more, tune in next week. Remember to check out my Patreon if you haven't already for even more sneak peeks. Here's a friendly reminder to rate and review the show and to share it with friends and family who play TTRPGs as well. New reviews will be read on the end of each episode as a thank you. Thanks to the team at T4C Studios for helping edit and produce this episode. And one last plug here for Two Hot One Shot. If you haven't already, please go check it out on Kickstarter. It would mean a ton to me if you would just look at it and share it with your friends and family, even if you don't have the budget right now to put any money towards it. But if you're planning a holiday one shot this year, I strongly suggest that you consider this. It's a ton of fun. It creates really funny content to share with your friends, with your family, with the internet. And it was just a ton of fun making it and playtesting it. And I know you'll have a lot of fun if you try it out too. The last few thank yous here, my intro and outro music is by Daniel Zamba. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music is by my friend Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And as always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.